This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hey, Parsha's Mikates, everybody. Here's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about Perak Mem Aleph Pasuk Test. It's toward the beginning of the Parsha. It says, mashkim es paro The Sarah Mashkim, the butler, spoke to Paro saying the following, es ani yom. I'm going to mention my sins today. Paro Paro got angry at his servants. And then he put me in jail, the house of the butcher, which at the time he was the executioner. Me and the baker. Both me and the baker had to go into there. So the Orachim HaKadr says that the butler did not answer Paro or speak to him directly. This was not directed at Paro. This is why the Pusik says S Paro instead of L Paro. L Paro would mean he's speaking to Paro. S Paro means bring this message over to Paro. He asked someone to speak to Paro on his behalf and tell him what he was trying to say. And maybe that's why he spoke in such a strange language, as if out of place, right? As if like this, Paro got angry at his servants and put them in, which is a strange wording, third third person, instead of saying, you got angry at me and you put me in jail. That's how the Orachim HaKadosh puts it, that it's all considered he's talking to somebody else, that person is bringing the message over, and that's what's happening. The Moshe of Zikanim says he was speaking to everyone around him, and Paro overheard. He wasn't speaking to Paro directly, he was speaking with Paro, meaning Paro was there, but he was speaking directly to the servants, or else, had he known that he could speak directly to Paro, he would have done so, but Paro overheard what he was trying to say. That's the Moshe of Zikanim. The tour says, no, 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 he is speaking to the king. You speak to the king in third person. I'll tell you, it gets very awkward for me when people talk to me in third person, when they say, like, does Rebbe have, and whatever it is, it is extremely awkward. But I guess that's a sign of kavod. That's something honorable that you would do for somebody that's important and me. So if you would do that for somebody who's that chashev, then certainly the king would be the same way. You'd assume that that's exactly happened with the king. That he spoke, Paro got angry at his servant. So that's why it's as Paro, he spoke to him in a chashev way. That's how the tour puts it. The Nitziv says the word Vayadaber is strange. Look at what it says. Vayadaber saramashkem is Paro laymor. The word lamor. So lamor means you say it over to someone else. That's good if you tell it over to somebody. But what's the vayida there? So the butler was yelling at himself for forgetting about Yosef. Oh my gosh, how could I have forgotten about Yosef? So he screamed at himself. I can't believe what I just did. I can't believe that I messed that up. So it was spoken in front of Paro, but it wasn't directly to Paro. He said it out loud in front of Paro. Paro was standing there saying, does anybody know a dream interpreter? And the butler immediately gets up and says, I do. Oh my gosh, how did I forget this guy? But Yishkacheyu in last week's parsha, he made sure to forget him, or he accidentally forgot him. But either way, he forgot about it. Now he's remembering it and saying, "Oh, I can't believe it!" And that's why he doesn't speak directly to Paro. He speaks in a different way. The Igra de Kala, though, says he had no desire to tell Paro about Yosef at all. There was no desire at all. He was such a Balgaiva and a Kafui Tova. That means he did not want to give Hakaras Tov to anybody else. He couldn't get himself to say anything about Yosef to Paro. Paro no. Once Paro was so angry, he was ready to kill all of his officers, which may have included him. He might have been considered an officer, the Saramashkim. Only then he got up and said something. And even then he qualified his statement with mean things to say about Yosef. He's a Nar, he's an Eved, he's an Ivri, but only then. And that's why it says Vayedaber. He spoke harshly at first because he was forced to say it. He didn't want to say anything about the Bala. For two years he's been quiet about, about the dream maker, about, the, about Yosef at Tzadik. Now he's forced to say 
say it, and then he only said what he need to say, needed to say, and in such a fashion that it could sort of like... Paro maybe could say to himself, eh, I don't want to talk to him anyway. That's what happened over here, and it's a little bit different. The Sforno says, when the butler mentions he was put in jail, and he was not saying that he was upset at Paro for doing so, he understood why he had sinned and that he was thrown into jail. That's yom. I do not blame the king for this. I did something wrong. I deserve to be put in jail. I was put in jail. The Orachim Akadr says, that's why it says Lamor. Another reason why it says Lamor. He's saying, he wanted to make sure that everybody knew, guys, I am not angry at the king. I understand why Paro put me in jail. This is not me saying, hey, Paro, you put me in jail, and it wasn't fair, this is me saying, yeah, I deserve that and I feel bad. I'm not blaming anyone. The Marik says he didn't want Paro to get upset at him again. So he said specifically, Chatoai. It was only a chait. I did it accidentally. Maybe you'll remember why you threw me in jail because I left that fly inside your cup. But it was only a chait. I, did it, I, I didn't do it on purpose. The Redak says he knew he, was been for, he had been forgiven. He was, thought it was silly to bring it up again. But I have to. I have to bring it up because otherwise you won't understand what I'm saying. I was put in jail and I met a guy there. The Orachim Akadur says the Butler knew he had done something wrong. Can you imagine a dream interpreter on the level that Yosef was on is languishing in jail in the country of Mitzrayim where they all loved magic and dreams and astrology and everything like that? And you have a guy of that caliber who's sitting in jail and you don't tell anyone. How could he not say anything like that? This is a king who loved the esoteric wisdoms, who loved getting involved in Kishuf and all of that stuff. Why in the world wouldn't you tell him about such a person beforehand? This is something that's right there. The butler said, I'm guilty for two sins. That's chatoai. Chatoai is not chatoi, my sin. It's chatoai, my plural sins. What did I do wrong? One, I allowed a fly to be in the king's cup. I'm sorry, that I should never have done. And two, I never told you about this guy. I never told you that a guy like this exists. Today, hayom. Today, that's why he says, Animas Kirayom. Today, I know the king needs this information. Today, I'm not holding back. Today, I know the king needs my help. And that's why he was willing to tell him. But he's mentioning his two sins, and the second one being, I can't believe I held this back from you until now. I can't believe I didn't tell you. I knew you wanted this guy. The Sam Sofer says that's why he had to make fun of him later. He had to excuse himself for not telling the king about him. The king immediately looked at him and said, what, you knew a guy like this and you didn't tell me? Why wouldn't you have told me before, before this dream? I have dreams all the time. Everybody here has dreams. Why wouldn't you have told me? And he said, he's a Nar, he's an Evid, he's an Ivri. He's trying to answer why he didn't say anything before this because Yosef wasn't so Khashiv. I didn't think it was important. He was right once. I didn't think it would happen again. That's what he's mentioning over here and why he mentions the person this way. So Targumunculus does not support this. He translates the word chatoai as the word sarchuni, which is my sin, singular. But Targum Yonas and Benuzil says sarchunai. Sarchunai is my plural sins, my multiple sins. And therefore, it could be that according to Targum Yonas and all of the, this, pshat, this pshat from the Orachimachos, from the Chassam Sofer, makes a lot of sense. The Ksav Kabbalah, an older Sefer from quite a bit ago, says the two sins both had to do with what happened before. It was not, I'm sorry for not telling you about the dream interpreter. It's number one, I should have been careful. What happened back then? Look, there's a big Machlok's Midrash on what happened. Was the Saramashkin, the guy in charge, 
of making the drink and bringing it before the king? No. There were many, many, many people who worked in the wineries of the king, who took care of the barrels, who made sure that the wine was mixed well. There was a wine mixer. There was an actual wine mixer that was there. The wine mixer would mix the wine and then hand it over to the king. Give it over to the king and say, somebody else, somebody else would take it in front of the king. The butler, the Saramashkin, was the guy who was the last in line who brought it to the king. He was like the taster to make sure that everything was perfectly fine. And because so many people had the ability to poison the king, there were all these people that were there and he was the Tsar over all of them. So the way that the, the, the Ksav HaKabalah says it is, number one, my sin was I didn't check my underlings. I should have checked my servants, the people that worked for me, and made sure they were doing the right thing. That's number one. Number two, I should have paid more attention when bringing the wine to the king that there was nothing inside it. Both sins had to do with what he did back then. Both sins had to do with the wine. There were multiple sins. The Panach Raza and the Medrash Rabba says his two sins that he didn't tell Yos- Paro that Yosef existed. And not only that but that he had forgotten his promise to Yosef. He had promised Yosef to remember him in front of the king. That's what Yosef had asked him for. So his two sins were now. I didn't tell you about Yosef, and I didn't tell Yosef. I didn't do what Yosef asked me to do. He did me this favor of translating the dream and told me such a great interpretation, and how did I repay him? With nothing, with absolutely nothing. That's the two sins that he had. Forget about the wine from before. Both having to do with me not telling you about Yosef. A sin to you and a sin to Yosef. That's what the butler was saying. And that's how he understands. That's what the Medjus Rabbah says. The Alshech finds that very strange. He's going to say and not mention the sin that brought him to jail in the first place. He's not going to mention that. If anything, there's three sins. Maybe even four sins. I didn't tell you about him. I didn't help Yosef at Tzadik. I purposely forgot it. And I left the wine, the, the fly inside the wine in some way shape or form. It sounds like that's the problem over here, but it's a strange thing. The Alshach says that that's what happened over here. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says he told over his current sin. Once he told over the current sin, he was afraid that other sins were going to come from it. And the Surah Mor says the catchphrase, better late than never. Try to get involved, at least do something over here. The Chizkuni, the Bechor Shor, and the Tour say a similar thought, but not exactly. The two sins were that he messed up Paro's drink, and also that he had forgotten about Yosef, taking the first and the third answers from up above. After Yosef had interpreted the dream, he should have been Makir Tov. He wasn't Makir Tov. The Ksav Sofer asked the question, he says, why in the world would Paro care that he sinned against Yosef? Does anyone, like, I sinned against Yosef. I didn't tell, I didn't tell, Yosef asked me to do it, and I didn't sin. So that's what you're mentioning to the king? I'm telling you, O king, that I messed up and telling it over to Yosef. Why wouldn't he say that before? So he says the following. This is an interesting line. He, the reason the butler was released, says the Ksav Sofer, is because there was no preceding sin. Guys, if a guy goes to court and you sped, let's say you did 30 miles over the limit, right? Which happened to me when I was 16 because I was a fool. I was 30 miles over the limit and I got caught, right? And a cop took me and I went to court. So when I was there, the the, the judge took a look at me and they told me how to dress up. My lawyer was my uncle because I'm a Jew, right? And I had like a regular suit on and I dressed up really nice and everybody else there looked like they'd just woken up, you know, like sweats and whatever it is. And I got up there and I looked remorseful. Like I actually felt bad. I couldn't believe that I was such a fool, right? And I went up there and the judge took one look at me and he said, are you going to do this again? And I'm like, no. So he didn't even find me. He just said, don't do this again. But obviously he gave me that warning that if you do it again, I'll make sure it comes into my court and then you're going to get punished. 
right? And then you're going to get punished. Now, I understood that completely, and I thanked him a thousand times over, right? And I, I just, and I got out of school for it. It, it was the greatest <laughs> moment of my life. There were some great things that happened through this. But I was sitting there, and the, the, the idea is, is that if you have no sins preceding it, you have no sins before this, nothing happened before that, then how can you punish the guy for the first time that he's done something wrong unless it was horribly wrong? And granted, 30 miles over the limit is horribly wrong, okay? That is 100% wrong. But regardless, it's you're looking at it and you say, how in the world could you do something like that to such a person? Here's the idea. The butler, his first sin was bringing this cup of wine with the fly in it in front of Paro. When he came to court, that is a sin punishable by death. But because the butler had such a sparkling reputation and he was always known as being makir tov to other people, therefore they said, all right, let's forget this one time that he didn't care about the king's drink. Let's forget about this one time that he left to fly inside. That's the idea behind it. But since there was no precedent, he was judged lechavskos and everything was perfectly fine. Here's the deal though, and this is an awesome idea. The awesome idea is now he's showing that he doesn't truly have a karasatov. Right now, he's showing, I'm not Makirtov. He said, he said, I forgot what I told Yosef. So Power looks at him and says, wait, that means you don't care about what people tell you to do. So that means beforehand, when you served me that drink, it's because you were negligent. So you were Chayev back then. So the butler, by saying this, says the Ksav Sofer, saying, he knew by the fact that I forgot to tell you about Yosef, that's going to automatically bring up the fact that I forgot about the fly inside your drink. You know what's funny? Anybody know what happens to the butler after this? What happens to the butler? Anybody have any idea? There is a medrash. He was killed. He was killed. Because the king remembered the original sin and said, wait, why did you get out of jail? Why did you get, you got out of jail for what? Did we mess up that case? Kill him now. They killed him right then. Funny, right? What about the dream of Yosef? The dream interpretation. Yosef at Tzadik dreamt that what? That he would live. He dreamt that he would live until he translate, until he gave over the information to Paro. He told the butler, your job is to get out and go to Paro and tell him about me. As soon as you do that, you'll be killed. He left that part out. He didn't tell him that part. All he told him is that you're going to live. But he never told him the end. The end of the dream is, you see, we think that we look at, we look at everything and we're like, oh wow, what does the dream mean? The dream means you're going to live. And that's it. So Yosef said, since you're going to live, go tell Paro about me so that I can get out of jail. Which makes a ton of sense, right? And that's that. That's not it. The dream was you will live until you tell Paro about me and then you'll die. But I'm not going to tell you that part. <laughs> is that amazing? And the fact that he didn't tell Paro for two years kept him alive for two years. Kept him alive for two years. It could be that if he said it originally, you know, right in the beginning, and he said, by the way, there's a dream interpreter, and he's awesome, and that's Yosef, maybe that Hakaras would have let him live longer. And maybe the dream interpretation could be translated to the good. Maybe that would have happened. But he died. He died. That's the crazy part what happened over here. It's possible that's why he was reluctant. He realized exactly what was going to happen, and he was right, says Exaltor. He was 100% right. That's the idea behind it. Seder Lederich also asked why Paro would care about any of this stuff, and he says he wanted to show Paro he's not just a good friend of Yosef's. 
who's trying to get him a favor and do something else, says it say the Lederach, if I really wanted to tell a story to get him out of jail, I would have done it two years ago. I've let him languish in jail for two years because I don't care about this guy. He's not my friend. I don't like him. Right? But I'm letting to go through. I'm only bringing it up because I feel that maybe Yosef could help you. And that's that. It really is an absolute unbelievable thing. The Chidah says... Eschatoai was just being nice. Mamish, the exact opposite. He did not mean I sinned. He did not blame himself. He did not think he was going to die. He sat there, says the Chidah, he was not admitting to any mistake of his own. He said straight out, Eschatoai. He was being sarcastic. Eschatoai, Ani Maskir I'm mentioning my sins today. I was in charge of many butlers. Just like the baker, the Sarab Ofen was the officer in charge of many bakers. I was not a butler. I was not a wine guy. I was simply the Saramashkin. What happened, says the Chidah? It's crazy. The, halak, the law was, as we said before, the, the regular butlers would mix the drink and give it over to the Saramashkin to give to Paro. A guy walked into the throne room holding a cup befitting the king with wine inside it, handed over to the butler. Says the Chidah, the Saramashkin had a major issue. He looked down and immediately saw a fly inside the drink. But the king saw him, Paro saw him and said, come here, bring me the drink. If he spills even a tiny little bit out and blames it on a fly, he's killed on the spot. If he brings the drink to the king, maybe the king won't notice the fly. He could not do it. We are not dealing with presidents or prime ministers or generals or people that in theory could forgive. We're dealing with the king of Egypt who is not a nice guy. So he didn't know what to do. He's holding this and he said, "Uh uh-oh, what do I do? I can't spill it out. The king already sees me, so I can't bring it out and I can't excuse myself. He went straight up to the king and tried to distract him. The king was not distracted, saw the fly and immediately threw the guy into jail, threw the Saramashkim into jail to discuss the case, to go into whatever it was. Said the Saramashkim, I was not in trouble. I didn't do anything. Paro Kotsaf al-Avadov. Paro get angry at one of his servants or one of the other guys. The anger really was directed at one of the butlers, not at me. I happened to be put in jail because I was in charge. I was put in jail because I was the one in charge, so I was the one blamed for it. But I'm not the one who did it. I'm not the one who did anything. Says that, when he says Eschatoai, he really means it with air quotes. The sin that you're putting on my head, which I really didn't do, that, that's what I'm mentioning today, and I had to be put in. But that's why I was exonerated. The baker was in charge, the guy that had the rock inside. That guy should have realized what his baker's were doing and should have seen that the sifted flour wasn't good enough. But me, I really didn't have a real, I didn't have a mistake. The shock says, he said these words in an honorable fashion. The way you'd say it to somebody else as, I know you made a mistake, Paro. I know you made a mistake, but I don't blame you for it. I understand why it happened. He said it as, And Paro was reminded, he said, oh wait, we exonerated you because you didn't really make a mistake. And the butler said, right, 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 but it was still a fault on my part. I never should have let it happen. He was saying it in an honorable fashion, saying it in such a way, saying it was somebody else's problem, it wasn't really me at all, there was nothing I could do about it, right? And that's the idea behind it. So the Chidon, the Shach are both saying almost the same exact thing, the same idea of what happens. 
the Mesha Chachma says one might think that Paro was to blame here because the butler didn't really deserve the punishment for, for allowing the fly inside. <laughs> and after hearing Yosef's explanation to the to the dream, and knowing now that Paro is going to need a man like him and to interpret the dream, I know that it was all from above. It was all from a Baruch Hu, it was all Hashkaka Pratis, to get me through my sins. I must have been guilty for something else, he said. Because even though that sin wasn't really what I did, it was some other sin, nonetheless, I'm to blame for it. The Chsam Sofer is the one that says, right, Eschatuai, it must have been something that caused the delay of Yosef's deliverance. I don't know what I did, but how did I forget this? How could I have forgotten what Yosef did? It's as if he lost it completely. There's really interesting stories out there. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the Chosim Lublin story. The way the Chosim Lublin seems to have done some form of Tchias Amesim. And somehow it got back and the people of his town forgot about it. It's a very strange story. And I don't know about the veracity. I can't verify the story, so I don't want to say it out loud. But there is, the, when the Chosim Lublin told over this story, he said that there was a shame of a Baruch Hu known as Riv, Reish Yud Bez. And that name of a Baruch Hu helps people forget things. Zohar, you know, is the way to remember something. Riv, Reish Yud Bez is how to forget something. He said, by using that shame, you can cause people to forget. Somehow the Saram Ashkin forgot about this, and it didn't make any sense at all. And he's looking at it now and saying, what did I do to deserve to forget this? What did I do wrong? Something's totally wrong with me, because I never should have forgotten about that. Who knows? The Razid Amer and the Alshech say the exact opposite. The butler's sin was greater than the baker's. Why? Here's the simple idea. The butler knew exactly how amazing Paro was. He served him every single day. He was the one who brought the drink in front of the king, and he did daily, and he sinned first. He was the first person to not show cover to the king by leaving the fly inside the drink. When the baker followed up and left a rock inside the bread of the king, he sort of followed. It's always that first guy, the first guy that does something wrong, where everybody else who follows afterward, they're blank. They obviously did something wrong, but it's the second time somebody sinned. It's the second time somebody did something wrong. So truthfully, when, it's, when he says these words, look at the passage. It says, Paro katsaf al He got angry at his servants, Vayitin osi bimishmar. He put me, not osanu, osi bimishmar. Because I'm the one who deserved it. I'm the one who did something wrong. Then he said, osi the esarofim. There was me, and there was also the baker. The baker also did something wrong, but I'm the one who's really to blame. O.C. in both cases is missing above. Says the Raz and Amir, whenever you're missing above, that means it's totally on me. I did something wrong. I'm the one who did it, and therefore there's something missing. There's like a chesron das, something that's missing over here. That shows how amazing the translation of Yosef Atzadik was. You know how amazing the translation was? The baker should have been more innocent than the butler. The butler was more to blame. The butler was the first sinner. The butler did the wrong, the thing that was the most wrong. And yet, what did Yosef translate the dreams? He looked at the baker and said, you are going to die. Looked at the butler and said, you are going to live. Even though it should have been the opposite. In fact, that's why the baker went straight to Yosef. The butler saw his dream, you know, obviously, and he went to the butler first and said, you are going to live. Everything's going to live. And the baker looked at him and said, if the butler is going to live, for sure I'm going to live. I was the second one. I'm the one who came second. I, I for sure should win. He wasn't worried about anything at all. So he went to Yosef and he's like, what about my dream? And Yosef said, no, 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 you're going to die. Said the butler, that shows me that he's real. He's real, Yosef at Tzadik. Because it should have been the opposite. 
and he should have known to translate the opposite, and he didn't. He translated exactly that. That's the most amazing part. That's how I know that he's such a good dream interpreter. The Malbim, and the Tziv says this a little bit as well, they say the same exact thing, but he says the following. He says, Yosef's interpretation could not have been through what logic? Because it made more sense to say the exact opposite. To prove it, he had to mention his own sin and say what he did wrong, go through what the baker did, and say, you see what I did? I put a rock I put, I'm sorry, a fly inside your drink and I didn't get caught. That guy did after me, he put a rock inside your bread. I'm more to blame and yet I was exonerated and he was killed. Does that make any sense? Does that make any sense to you? It shouldn't. And that's how Yosef translated the dream. That shows you how awesome it is. The Spas MS and Likutim is the one that says straight out, Spas MS at the very end. You know what I'm saying by the Likutim? Sasamis goes by years, so it's hard to go through. In the Likutim, it's at the very, very end. He goes, there's a couple things that were collected from him. He's the one that says that in the end, the dream really was that the butler was killed. The butler was killed right after this. And that the dream was, you can live until you tell Paro about me. It's from the Sasamis and Likutim. It's absolutely amazing. And then comes the Ben Yishchai the Od Yosef Chai. If anybody has heard this medrash before, and if not from me, I, 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 I want you to raise your hand. Okay? This is an amazing Medrash. But the Od Yosef Chai quotes it. I haven't found it in the Medrash Rabbah yet, but I think it might be in the Yalka Shimoni, and I just didn't check. He says, How could the Sarah Mashkin bin so Tova and not mention a thing about Yosef Taparo? How can he do that? Well, what kind of a person does that? Even if somehow he forgot and Hashem made him forget, well, what kind of a person does that? You know you felt so good when Yosef translated that dream and he asked you to do one thing for him and you couldn't do it. All he said is just mention his name and he wouldn't even mention his name. Ben Ishkai says the craziest thing over here. He says, there must have been a reason why he didn't tell about Yosef. And it must have been because he's hiding something. The butler is hiding something. You know what we've set up until now? And the Rishonim are all arguing. There's two sins. But what are the two sins? Is it the drink and not telling about Yosef, not telling Paro? What was the sin exactly? So that's what we set up above. Says the Ben Ishkai, there's a totally different sin. The butler and the baker fell in love with the princess, the daughter of Paro. Both of them. Ah, oh, there we go. Okay, that's good. The butler and the baker both fell in love with the daughter of Paro. They both had had a relationship with the daughter of Paro. Paro did not want word of this getting around to anyone because that's an embarrassment to the kingdom and it's an embarrassment to the princess. So he did something. He took the cup of wine from the butler, put a fly inside. You know, people do that all the time with McDonald's, right? And it's like, good iPhone in my burger. I want a free burger. So he put a fly inside it and said, you served me a drink with a fly in it. To which the butler's like, oh, I get it. <coughs> and then the baker brought in the bread. And Paro stuck a rock inside there, opened up the bread and said, you have a rock inside here. And the baker's like, uh-huh. That wasn't the real reason why they were thrown in jail. The real reason they were thrown in jail is because of what happened with the princess. He wanted to squash those rumors. So he threw the butler and the baker in jail. Why? Because of the fly and because of the rock. That's why he threw them in jail. Oh, so here, now he was in a quandary. He said there were rumors going around that the butler and the baker had a relationship with the princess. So if he killed them both, then they would all claim that the rumors were true. They would all claim the rumors are true. He, uh, she 100% was together with both of them, and that's why he had them killed. It wasn't for the fly. It wasn't for the rock. It was really because of the relationship. That's the real reason why. So what did he do? He had one of them killed, and the other one he let live. Why? So that nobody would talk about it anymore. 
And that would be it. Nobody would talk about it. Because if they truly both had a relationship with the princess, then he would have killed both of them. Since only one of them was killed, must be they didn't have a relationship with the princess. So the rumors stopped and everything was done. Okay? The butler went back to his position. He served in front of Paro. Everything was all good and it was forgotten for two years. For two years, the Saramashkin could not mention Yosef's name. Why? Because anytime he brings up Yosef's name, he's going to remind everyone that he was thrown in jail. He's going to remind everyone that he was thrown in jail and they're going to be like, oh, do you remember those rumors in the National Enquirer about the butler and the princess? Do you guys remember that? Yeah, that was crazy. There's the butler. They're all going to remember what had happened. And the whole point was Paro was trying to make everybody forget it. If he brings it up, he's killed. He's going to be killed. Because he doesn't want to, you don't want to start the rumors again. So the butler could not say anything. And he was waiting for a time where he could say something. And years passed. Two years passed. And every time he's like sitting there, can I tell him now? Can I tell him now? Can I tell him now? And now he gets a dream. And now he's looking for a dream interpreter. And his Khartoumim can't do it. And nobody else can do it. He knows that Yosef's able to do it. But he starts off and says, If I tell you what I'm about to tell you, you're going to remember what I really did and you're going to kill me. I know that's going to happen. But I have to because I promised Yosef that I was going to do it and I've been waiting two years to do it. So as Chatoai and you hear the shot? This is an unreal Ben Ishchai. As Chatoai and I'm going to have to tell you, my Chatoai is not the drink what me and the baker did with the princess. That's as Chatoai and I'm mentioning my sins, that, that which I did back then. And that's by Yishkachayu that he purposely forgot him for that reason. Hayom, this day, when the king was in grave danger, the king could have even been dying trying to figure out what this dream was. Hayom, where I know I have no choice right now but to tell you what just happened, to be able to go through, now I'm going to tell you. Mimanavshach, I'm going to be okay. Mimanavshach, why? If I tell him the secret, right, and he dies. Oh, I, yeah, like that. If I tell him my secret and then he dies, no one's going to care and no one's going to kill me about what I did with the princess. If I tell him the secret and he lives, he's going to be thankful to me and he'll let me live. He'll let me live for that. So now he has me Manavshach. So he goes up and he says, Paro, I got something to tell you. And I know you're going to remember what I did and I know it's going to be really bad for me, but I have to tell you. But I have to tell you, I've got a guy. I got a guy. And I will tell you exactly what he needs to know. And that's Eschato Animaskirayom. What an unreal Benishai. You say you heard that? Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Has anybody else heard that? Yeah. Hey, unbelievable. And the except, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've said it. I've, when? Oh, it's in my binder. Oh, okay. Well, don't look at my binder. Then you don't have to look at my old notes. Stop looking at my stuff, okay? But that's that. The Ibn Ezra, the Ibn Ezra asks how the butler could have called Paro by his name. Isn't that interesting? He called Paro by his name. He said, Paro Kotsaf Alavadov. Paro got angry at his servants. How can you call Paro by his first name? How do you do that? Don't you want to say Melech Paro, Paro Amelech? So what's the obvious answer, guys? It's the obvious answer. Paro's not his real name. Paro is a what? Paro is the name that they use for the, the kings of Egypt, right? That's pretty obvious. The Ibn Ezra says it's a description of something, like Hiram, king of Tzor. He says, Hiram, king of Tzor. There is no one Hiram. If Hiram is one person, then he lived about 1,300 years. I'm not denying that. It could be that Hiram Melech Tzor did live for 1,300 years, but it's more likely that Hiram was a name that was used by the people of Tzor. That's why we find a Paro by Avram. We find a Paro by Yosef. We find a Paro by Yaakov. Well, same one. And then a Paro later on. It's not the same Paro, although it could be, but it's not the same Paro. It's a person who's known as Paro. He was the Pharaoh of Egypt. He was the guy in charge of Egypt. 
That's the idea behind it. And by Yermio as well, Yermio also had a paro. It doesn't have to be the same one. The butler was not being disrespectful. That's what you said to the king. You called him by the name Paro, which was the name King that would use back there. It would be like us calling President Trump president, which half the country doesn't do anyway. But it would be like saying to President Trump, you are the president, Mr. President. That's what you would do. Paro was president, and even sounds that way, in Egypt. That's the way it was over there. And that's why then there were different Paros, and that would work out over well, with perfectly fine. The Rashbam and the Torah say the exact same thing, and they give other examples. Avimelech of the Plishtim. Avimelech is used over and over and over again. It's not the same Avimelech. It's a different Avimelech, but the name was used over there. Tzedek was used for the king of Yerushalayim. Malki Tzedek and Adoni Tzedek, when you get to Yoshua, Adoni Tzedek and Malki Tzedek, that was the name over there. Agag among Amalekim. Agag was the name for over there. The Lekachtov, Medrash Lekachtov, seems to say that the Torah more says there's a Medrash. He doesn't bring a source for it. But he seems to say there's a Medrash that says and it works out well. The truth is, it's already mentioned in the Zohar. The Zohar says in Chelek Beis, Yotesim Beis, and even though I'm 40, I did not look that up, okay? Because I don't do it if I don't need to. So I have not been able to levitate yet, but I'm still trying. But the Zohar says right over there, as well as Rashi into Tehillim, Perak Lamed Dalet Aleph, and Ezra Vav Yudalet. All of those show that there's this idea that there's certain words over there. Okay. I'm going to quote, there's one more thing that I really want to get into over here that's a really cool thing, but I don't know how much time we have. Let's try to see what we can get over there. Ibn Ezra points out that the word OC seems to be out of place. Again, read the post again. It says, Paro Paro got angry at his servants. He put me in jail. OC, me, Vesarofim. And the baker. Something's wrong there. You know what I'm saying? Like it says OC and then OC twice. And then it, it shouldn't be OC, it should be Osanu. He put us into jail. It's just weird to say it this way. What, what exactly is he trying to do? So the Dasakanim, the Torah, the Rosh, the Al Shekh, and the Torah, more saying he's trying to show how awesome he was in the dream. We already spoke about this idea that he's trying to show that he translated the dreams, even though really we were together in the same cell and we should have been guilty of the same thing. Nonetheless, it was so legitimate. But we talked about that already. That's one of the answers that we set up above. Rabbi Noah Ephraim says, it's kind of like what you say, Lahavdil. Everybody get the idea, like, instead of saying Osanu, he wanted to separate himself from the baker. Like, if Chas you were together with someone who passed away, you know how you say, like, there's that guy and Lahavdil, there's me, or um, the way they say it is, um, ugh, I'm losing my train of thought right now. But, like, when, when you say something about the mother who passed away, and then the father, right? He should be separated for life. You say something to say, like, the mother who passed, Allah Shalom, and the father, like, they say those types of ideas to be able to separate. <laughs> this is the idea. He said, He didn't want to say Osanu, because that would be putting them in the same category. The Sarofim was dead, and he wasn't. So he just said, Osi Vesarofim. That's the idea behind it. That's the Rabbi Noah Ephraim, what goes, goes on over here. The Maral Diskin says something over here, but I, I, I don't want to go into that right now. The Alshech says there were three ways that Yosef could have translated the dream, and he was purposely pointing out how all three of them did not apply to Yosef. For example, like this. Number one, maybe he was a really smart guy. He's able to figure out through his wisdom or some kishuf how the dream went. Number two, maybe he's an actual Navi. Maybe he's an actual Navi and he was able to do that over there. Number three, maybe he used astrology. He saw what was going to be in the future and translated it thusly. Maybe he was able to do that. So he said it couldn't be. Number one, he's a Nar. A Nar cannot be a Chacham, and a Nar didn't get into Kishuv. He's also an Ivri. Ivrim don't do Kishuv. So it can't be that he was a Chacham, can't be that he did Kishuv. Those two things wouldn't apply. Couldn't be he's a Navi. You need his Bodidus for Nebuah, and he was in jail. He was sitting in jail for 10 years before that. There's no way he was his Bodidus. There's no way he had his Bodidus, so there couldn't be that he's a Navi. And if you want to say he used astrology, he de- told it to me in the morning. 
He spoke to me in the morning, and then afterward told me the translation of the dream. He didn't have time to look at the stars. There's no way he could have done that. It must be he's an expert dream interpreter, and that's what it is. Why yeah. do you say exposures can't be done in jail? Why? I've never been in jail. I don't know. I say, but why did they say you can't? I would assume that jails back then were not like our jails nowadays, that there were massive pits, and these lime pits that everybody was in together, and that it was just absolutely horrible. So I get a feeling that way. There is a Gemara. The only Gemara that I would go with is there's a Gemara in Tainus, I think it's on Chaf Dalid Ahmed Aleph. It's, it's Reb Broca Hasida when he asked Eliyahu in the Shuk who's going to Olam Haba mm-hmm. and uh, Eliyahu said nobody in this Shuk is guaranteed Olam Haba and then he sees one guy and he says that guy's going to Olam Haba and he looked like a non-Jew wearing non-Jewish everything and he went up to him and he said what's going on here he goes up to him and he says can I talk to you and he said come back to me tomorrow said to Rebroka Hasida. So he came, Rebroka Hasida went up to him tomorrow and he said, what's going on? He said, I'm a jail keep and I keep the men away from the women in jail. I just have a feeling, like it's not a jail like we have nowadays with cells and whatever. It was just a big wine pit and they put it in. Like he said, he put his bed in between them to keep them away from each other. I just have a feeling that it's like that. By the way, at the end of the story, the guy ended up being that he was a big tzaddik who was hiding himself and trying to find out what the non-Jews did so that he could go tell the Jews how to be mavato their gzeras. But I, I think it's like that. I don't have a great answer for it. Remember in grade school you learned that Yosef like had Yeah, whatever that means. Whatever that means. We really have no idea. He was the star in the jail, but how do you be a star in a jail? I, I, I just... I, not in those jails back then. I just feel like if we knew what the jails were like, I'm pretty sure the fact that he survived a year in that jail was a massive miracle, let alone 12 years inside whatever he was in. Even if he was the Tsar of the jail, it seems strange to me. We'll end with this, everybody. We have the Taurus Chaim Vamuna, Reb Rosenbaum of Kretschniff, who says... Every year this Parsha falls out during Hanukkah. And yes, we're going to try to do add on a little bit for Hanukkah for this. This is a time of tshuva me'ahava. Tshuva me'ahava. We know that a level of tshuva turns a person's sins into schuyos, right? If a person sins and then he does tshuva me'ahava, tshuva out of love for HaKadosh Baruch I love you HaKadosh Baruch his sins turn into schuyos. They turn into merits. The Kedushas Levi uses this to explain a Medrash Pliya. Everybody knows Sukkis is the Rishon Lechesh Ben Avonos. Everybody's heard that before. It's the first day to count sins. Well, what does that mean? When do you count sins? And why, why can't a person sin? Because he's so busy with Lulav, Esther, and Sukkah. Honestly, is there anybody who's so busy during the four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot that they can't sin? That they can't sin? If, you, if they are, amazing. You guys are awesome. Okay, but if you're spending all day long Lulav, Esrog, and Sukkah, Lulav and Esrog can take me about an hour. The Sukkah takes me about, an I don't know, two hours with my kids. So what am I doing the rest of the day? I've got 72, that, how many, but 94 hours to deal with, right? Well, what else is going on? Granted, I'm, I'm maybe cleaning up for some of it, but usually I angry clean, so that's also a sin, sin sometimes. So like, I, I don't know what there could possibly be. Well, what could that be? The answer is because people do Chuvan Roshani, Yom Kippur out of Europe, out of fear of a Kaddish Baruch, out of, you know, they're afraid. Right? Come Sukkis, they're finally able to do Tshuva Me'ava. Tshuva Me'ira turns your bad sins into Chatayim. Tshuva Me'ava turns your sins into Mitzvos. It's the first time I want people to remember my sins. Because on Sukkis, my sins turn into Mitzvos. So on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, I don't want anybody to remember my sins. On Sukkot, I want people to remember my sins. So it's Rishon Lechesh Ben Avonos. Says the Torah Chaim Vamuna, that's exactly what happens over here. And David Melech mentions it as well. Hanukkah is the time to do tshuva properly. It's something where you sit there and you're just like, I love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This time is the greatest time of the year. And it's not just because of the Christmas music all over the place. It's because it's the greatest time of the year. We get an awesome time of getting ourselves close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and finding HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the dark. That we're able to get there, even in the awe of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why we say in the parsha. 
Yeah, the butler was doing that. I'm mentioning my sins today. We're doing it. We're saying it. I'm willing to say my sins today. You know why I'm willing to say my sins today? You know why I'm willing to talk about it? Because my chatoyim turn into schuyos on the days of Hanukkah. So I purposely say in my parsha, parsha means gates, I'm willing to do it to turn my chatoyim into mitzvos. That's the line that the butler was trying to say over here that we're using for ourselves to count this as part of, I guess, our avoda back to our Kodesh Baruch Hu Stop with that, everybody. Have a great Shabbos. Amen.